1971, John Stone came out with the book, The Monster at the End of This Book, starring the lovable furry Grover. Having read the title page, Grover is horrified that to learn that there is a monster at the end of the book. What did you say? Don't turn another page. Stop. Let's not make it to the end to see what the monster is. Growing increasingly fearful as the reader continues to turn pages and frustrated that they do not seem to realize the danger that will happen if they continue to read on. Grover then resorts to building a construction site, thinking that that will stop the reader from moving forward. He then tries to staple pages together so that they can't get to the next one. And finally, driven to total despair by the reader's ability to overcome all of these obstacles, Grover makes one last final plea. Please don't turn the page. That should be familiar in some ways. None of us willingly just moves forward toward fear. None of us just willingly move into danger. Yet we, we live in a culture that allows us to turn away from our fears that if once we see the construction sites, we can turn around. Once we see all the obstacles, we don't have to move forward toward fear. And I can't lie, there are moments when I read there's a monster at the end of the book, and I don't go any further. That's all I need to know. <laughs> and I'm going back home. But the thing is, I wouldn't be honest to my calling. You wouldn't be honest to your calling if we were shielded away from truth shielded away because of fears, because of uncomfortable places and dangers that calling may take us. So, my friends, I must tell you, there is a monster at the end of the sermon. <laughs> Rather, there is an unclean spirit at the end of this sermon. I'm sure you didn't expect it to show up and be in the sanctuary sitting in the pews, but, but I don't think Jesus thought that it would show up and be in the synagogue with him. That Jesus is giving this eloquent sermon, and all of a sudden, it shows up. As we continue to bask in the epiphany of Jesus, the manifestation of the divine, it seems that evil follows among him on this trip. This week I was sitting with someone, they said, what's the scripture for today? And I said, the unclean spirits. And they said, did we just not expect that there would be a reaction when Jesus came on the scene?
Jesus has just grabbed a few people to follow him on this new journey, and they enter Capernaum, and I'm sure they hang out, they see some friends, but when Sunday came, they are the first in the synagogue. And all the congregants fill into the pews and begin to whisper, who is this new guy? Who is this person? Someone over here said it was Shirley's boy, but Shirley said he ain't no kin to me. They continue to speculate who Jesus was, but no one could answer. And after the blessings had been given, after the Shema had been said, Jesus comes up and begins to preach and speak with power and authority, speaking in ways that they've never heard before. And suddenly, as Jesus is taking a breath for his next word, he stands up. It's someone that the entire congregation knew. He had been going to the synagogue for years. He never really said much, but on this day, he stood and interrupted Jesus and said, Who, what have you to do with us? And the room gets tense. It's now a showdown between Jesus and this man. I've never imagined Jesus being part of Fight Club, but this would be a good, <laughs> good piece of it. Jesus notices that it is not the sweet man that all have known year after year after year, but an unclean spirit speaking out deep within. And I'm sure this is the place where Grover would say, don't read any further. Just stop. It's fascinating that Mark would put this narrative in the first chapter, at the beginning of all that we are supposed to know and see and gather about Jesus' ministry and who he is and this Messiah, this Christ child. Mark puts this at the beginning while Matthew is giving a long list of ancestors, when John is talking about the divine and the human coming together, putting on skin, Mark gives us a picture of unclean spirits. A fight between the one who is possessed by the spirit of the living God and the one who is possessed by what is unclean. So maybe Mark sets his gospel up early on so we, the reader, can understand that no matter what God is confronted with, that God speaks, God works, and God prevails. It's the start of the narrative, the start of the gospel that will continue throughout, even when challenged by spirits within us. God speaks. And you do realize when this man says, what will you have to do with us, that us is not just referring to the unclean spirits within himself, but it becomes a universal us. For all those in the pews, the people who figured out how to keep their unclean spirits quiet, for those who even sits in the pews 
next to you. We have all experienced walking through portions of life possessed. Resident alum Jacob Topper tells a story about preaching out in West Texas. He had just finished his sermon, extended the invitation, gave the benediction, and was at the back door shaking hands with the 15 people that came to church that Sunday. He was a guest preacher that Sunday in a small country church, and it had been a crazy day already. The small church had a snake infestation, and no one told Jacob about <laughs> the situation, but he quickly found out taking a restroom break. He battled the snakes with the only thing next to him, which was a broom. And hearing the commotion that is happening in the bathroom, once he exits, a 70-year-old woman looks at him and says, I guess no one told you about the snakes. <laughs> so you can imagine he was ready to get out of West Texas, and the last person to shake his hand was that 70-year-old woman that he had saw before. And she said to him, do you believe in the devil and demons and unclean spirits? And he was somewhat stunned by her question, ready to get out of there, but also intrigued by what she was asking. And Jacob, in his way, as many of you know, answered, yes, ma'am, I do. I've met unclean spirits, and they are in me. I don't need to be convinced that hell is real because some days I build that for myself. And he continued, many of us are our own devils. Many of us are walking possessed with unclean spirits within us. And she stood there stunned by his answer. And if we're all honest, this is true for all of us. They can all look a little different, speak different, manifest in different ways. They are dormant, ready to rise and speak at any given moment. Yet we have become proficient at managing them. We tuck them in parts of us that are more presentable and agreeable. And I think you know me well enough but when I speak of unclean spirits, I'm not talking about mental health. That's dangerous and bad theology. These are the spirits within that speak out and contradict everything Jesus has just said to us with power and authority. It speaks to say we will never be good enough or amount to anything that is hate and anger, greed and prejudice. The list can go on and on. It seeps into our behaviors and our mindsets and tell us that it was our fault, that it comes out through traumas and even generational trauma. It causes us to see less than ourselves and less than another. Rather than bless, they curse. Rather than build up, they tear down. Rather than encourage, they disparage. Rather than promote love, they sow hate. Rather than draw us together, they draw us apart. 
But I want you to remember, Mark puts this at the beginning of his gospel for a reason, to remind every character, every reader, every follower of God that God does not shy away from the unclean spirits, that God speaks, God works, God prevails, and it's a story that doesn't just end at Mark but continues today. God draws near to tell these spirits to be silent and to come out so we may walk in new life, so that we may walk into the purpose of God. But we can't do this if we stop turning the page. The thing is, Grover gets to the last page and he realized that it's a mirror. And it's just him. He's the only one there and it's then he realizes that he's the monster, that he's been afraid of finding out his true self and what was in him all along. And when we honestly look deep within ourselves and see Maybe monsters, maybe what's unclean within us. When we hopefully have the courage to name it, then we're really opening ourselves up to give it to God. And can I tell you something that's scarier than finding out about monsters and unclean spirits? for me at least, is giving all my power, authority, and control over to the Spirit of the living God and saying, yes, here I am. But I remind myself that God already knows everything about me. God has known everything that I've ever done, and God knows everything of my deepest and scariest secrets. And yet God keeps calling and welcoming and loving. So when the spirits within you yell out, what do you want from us? The prayer, the hope, and what's surely true is that God will say, be silent and come out for she does not need you anymore. He only needs me. The only spirit to be possessed with is that of the living God. Amen.